You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Morning, Red Door Church. Jonathan here, bringing you the... 10th sermon in our 10-part series, looking at the way of Jesus, and I'm coming to you today completely exhausted. I've got my strong coffee here. The um, makeup crew have done a terrible job masking the bags under my eyes. I had less than three hours sleep last night, and I'm just stuffed. And uh, I know that you don't care. Um... It's not a criticism. I, I know that you don't care because you're exhausted too. You're just as exhausted as I am. And I know that because whenever I ask you guys, whenever I ask people in general, you know, how are you going, I always get the same response. It's always, I'm really busy or I'm really tired or, or both together. And to be honest, I think... Part of the reason that we give that response, apart from the fact that it's true most of the time, is that our culture kind of has a positive reinforcement for people who are busy and tired. To be busy and tired must mean that you are important in some way, that you have so much to do with your life and so little time to rest. And so it's seen as kind of a badge of honour. All of this is really important as we come to today's Subject: We're going to be looking at the spiritual discipline or the habit of grace, which is Sabbath, Sabbath rest. The word Sabbath literally in the Hebrew means to stop. And for the people of Israel, it was given as a law for them to abide by, to stop, to stop work for a 24-hour period. For the people of Israel, it's from Friday night to Saturday night. And they would prepare thoroughly for it. It was something that was very much part of the fabric of their culture, part of the fabric of their weekly rhythm. Now, for us, that has almost entirely ceased to be the case. Some of us might be old enough to remember back to times when the Sabbath was observed, but who is really doing it today? I mean, who among us is actually taking that 24-hour period for rest? Yeah. Now I'm going to assume that we're not doing it for some good reasons. And so I've devised some reasons, four reasons why you might not be taking a Sabbath each week. And we're going to speak to each of those and then see where God might want to lead us from this point forward. So reason number one, not to Sabbath. I don't Sabbath because I'm not under the old covenant law. Now, this reason for not taking a Sabbath is gloriously true. This is a magnificent truth of the gospel that we are not under the old covenant law. We've been freed from our obligations to it. And this is a beautiful thing when it comes to the Sabbath. In fact, it's a life-saving thing when it comes to the Sabbath because for the people of Israel who did live under that old covenant to break the Sabbath was to bring a death sentence upon yourself. So we see this in Exodus chapter 31. Observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Whoever profanes it must be put to death. That's how 
important this law was to the people of Israel. It was one of God's 10 commandments that he gave on Mount Sinai. And it was so important, so weighty, so profound that to break this law would be to bring a death sentence upon yourself. Now, the glorious truth of the gospel is that Jesus has fulfilled that old covenant law and ushered in a new covenant of grace. And this posed a problem for the New Testament church because the churches that Paul had established had this mixture of old covenant Jews who had come to know and love Jesus and accept the new covenant of grace, along with former pagans who had never practiced anything like the Sabbath coming together to worship together. And so Paul had to figure out how do we treat things like the Sabbath law? And this is how he addressed it, both in the Colossian church and in the Roman church. In Colossians 2, 14 to 17, it says this, Jesus erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. And again, writing to the Roman church in Romans 14, Paul says this, One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day, observes it for the honour of the Lord. Now, Paul's point here is that Jesus so thoroughly fulfilled the Old Testament law that for Christians living under the covenant of grace, the question of Sabbath is now a question of conscience. And so he says, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. And this is the point we need to be aware of as we look at the Sabbath. We need to be fully convinced in our own mind. My fear is that unless we pay attention to this, unless we wrestle with this issue, unless we're fully convinced one way or the other in our own mind, we will simply regress to the cultural moment that we're living in. Living in, And that cultural moment for us is one of exhaustion, one of busyness, one of Sabbath breaking. And so we will just fall into line with the rest of the culture unless we give this a good deal of our attention, wrestling with it and coming to a firm position for ourselves. And so, yes, we are free from the old covenant law, but no, that doesn't necessarily mean that we should not observe a weekly Sabbath. So let's move on to reason number two. I don't Sabbath because that's not how the world works now. I still remember the first Sunday that the little Delta petrol station on the corner down the road from our house was open for business. Up until that point, 
the business would be shut down every Sunday. Like most businesses in the area where I lived, Sunday was a day of no trading. And I remember the first Sunday we passed by the Delta petrol station on our way to church and they were open for business. I remember how my dad was just incensed by this. In fact, to this day, he's not comfortable with businesses being open on Sundays. But I remember that vividly because it was so weird at the time. Yet today, we are so used to a 24-hour trading schedule. In fact, recently when the supermarkets were closed earlier than usual because of the lockdown, I, I remember just being outraged. Like, I want to go shopping at 10 o'clock, dang it. That's the world that we live in now. It's not a world that operates on six days you shall work and the seventh you shall rest. It's just not the way things work. But I think if we think about it carefully, we need to come to terms with the fact that whatever we're doing now, however the world is working now, it's not working for us. It's not working for our health. It's not working for our peace of mind. Yes, as we've seen, we have freedom to honour the Sabbath as it was honoured in the Old Covenant or not. We have freedom of conscience to act according to conscience when it comes to these things. But what if we're actually made to Sabbath? What if it's actually knitted into our very being? What if this is the way God created us to live? I think that's the indication we get when we read the scriptures. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, you'll see where God first institutes the Sabbath as a creation ordinance, as a rhythm he works into the symphony of creation and says this in Genesis 2. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all of his work of creation. And so here you have God setting himself this pattern of work and rest. Six days of creation, the seventh day to rest. Not that he was exhausted like all of us are, but there was a statement about his supremacy over all things. It was a sitting down, as it were, on the, in the throne room of heaven, looking over the temple of his creation, sitting down to rest. And he sets that pattern for us as his creatures, not just him as creator, but us as his creatures are to observe this same rhythm, six days work and one day rest. The question is, what if that pattern of creation is actually the pattern that we ought to be observing if we want to live in fullness of life, if we want to maximize our well-being? I heard that in 1879 when Thomas Edison invented the electric light bulb. I heard that up until that point, the average person got 11 hours sleep per night just seems astonishing to us. But if you think about it, once the sun's gone down, what else are you going to do? You may as well sleep. 
And so they used to get 11 hours a night's sleep. After 1879, after the invention of the electric light bulb, our average night's sleep has plummeted to where to today it's like seven hours max if you're really doing well, probably more like five to six if we're honest. And that sort of pattern, I think, is a little bit of a parable for what's happened not just in our day-night rhythm but in our weekly rhythm of work and rest. And if this is true... If God really has knitted into the fabric of creation this pattern of six days work and seventh day rest, then it shouldn't surprise us that most of us feel exhausted and burnt out. The Presbyterian minister and philosopher H.H. Farmer said this, If you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. Maybe that's what's happening to us. Maybe that's why we're so tired. Maybe that's why we're so worn out. Okay, third reason not to Sabbath. I don't Sabbath because it's better to burn out than fade out. Now, this line of reasoning will resonate with some of you based on your personality. Like this is just, this just comes straight from the heart for some of us, that we are wired just to achieve and to produce and to get stuff done. And I would rather live for 50 years, you know, really burning hard than live for 100 years slowly fading out. And I think if we're honest, it's a recipe for disaster. This line of reasoning is actually word for word what I told my psychologist back in 2014. This is a picture of my 2014 self. Back in 2014, I absolutely burnt out. It had been coming for a number of months, but I hit the wall in March of 2014, and so much so that the bishop who was overseeing my ministry here, told me that I needed to take at least one month leave and I needed to start seeing a psychologist. I went and saw a guy named Dr. Grant Bickerton, who's a wonderful, wonderful guy, who's done his PhD research in ministry and burnout. And I said to him these very words, you know, trying to justify myself and the way that I was living, the way that I was working, the way that I was trying to drag this church to heaven on my own back and essentially replacing God himself as the sovereign savior of Caroline Springs, right? I was trying to justify all of that. And I said these very words, it's better to burn out than fade out. And I'll never forget his response. He is such a gentle, understanding, softly spoken guy, but he just looked at me and said, you know, Jonathan, what you just said sounds demonic. I think many of us, perhaps even subconsciously, are driven by this need to earn favour with God. And we work and we work and we work and we say things like it's better to burn out than fade out. But ultimately, we need to remember that Jesus has already achieved the work that needed to be done. On the cross when he said, it is finished, that was a beautifully true statement. And many of us need to now enter into his rest, 
enter into the rest that he earned for us. We don't have time to go into it now, but in Hebrews 4, the writer to the Hebrews lays out this case for entering into the Sabbath rest of Jesus, that Sabbath rest which is Jesus, which can only be found in Jesus. And I wonder if we actually came to terms with the fact that the work has already been done, that we have been accepted on the basis of the work that has already been achieved, then maybe we would allow ourselves a little more grace to rest. Fourth reason, we don't Sabbath. I don't Sabbath because I can't get everything done in six days. Yes. Yes, this is true. You can't get everything done in six days. You can't. But if we're honest, you can't get everything done in seven days either. And if we extended the week to 10 days or 14 days or 25 days, you couldn't get everything done then either. And that's kind of the point. One of the reasons I believe that God gave us the Sabbath was to make this abundantly clear. You can't do it all. And I know that sounds like heresy in our day and age, the day and age of productivity, right, where there is whole industries devoted to the worship of productivity. But let me just break in through that with the truth. The truth is that you can't do it all. You can't do it all in six days, and that's the whole point. Practicing a Sabbath reminds us that we are not God. God himself is the only sovereign one. God himself is the only one with infinite capacity for productivity. And even God himself took the seventh day to rest. What an indictment on us, thinking that we can do it all if we just give it seven days. St. Augustine wrote this in his Confessions. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Maybe that's a good place to finish our 10-week series looking at the habits of grace. We said from the beginning that these habits are not about earning our favor with God. They're not some kind of self-help program to make us better people. They're actually about just coming home. They're actually about resting in the finished work of Jesus. And then from that place of rest and security, following him as his apprentices, doing what he did, living as he lived. I said at the beginning of this sermon that I'm exhausted, but I know it's okay because I know that tonight I begin my Sabbath rest. I'm recording this on Friday morning, and for us, Sunday doesn't work as a Sabbath as it traditionally has for Christians, but because I'm working at church and and preaching and stuff. But Friday night to Saturday night is Sabbath in our household. And so I know that no matter how tired I am now, no, no matter how worn down and beaten up, I know that tonight Sabbath begins. I know that for us that means 24 hours of no devices, no work 
like vocational work and also no housework, no work at all, just Sabbath, stop, rest. I know that it means 24 hours of feasting and resting and worship and play and just attentiveness to God's goodness in our lives. And so I have that promise at the end of each week waiting for me as a beautiful picture of the finished work of God in all that he's achieved through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, his son. So I want to encourage you, maybe just give it a shot. If you've never thought about taking a Sabbath, try it for a month. Give it four Sundays or four Saturdays, whatever works for you best. But give it a chance and just see whether it might bring life and health and well-being where there was exhaustion. All right, I'm going to finish with a word of blessing for us. Brothers and sisters, the peace and the rest of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.